Ladies and gentlemen, this is The Forward Curve. Hello, and welcome once again to The Forward Curve, a weekly podcast covering the commodity markets and the global economy, brought to you by Gold Street Advisors, the independent research and advisory firm. In this episode, we'll take a look at the evolution of information technology and the way big data has shaped global trade and how the commodity markets operate. I'm Christian Clavidecher, and joining me today will be our chief analyst, Robin Barr. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to The Forward Curve, and be sure to check out our website, www.goldstreetadvisors.com, for information on what Gold Street Advisors can do for you and your company. So, Robin, what do you have for us this week? Well, been thinking. Yeah, I'd listened to the uh, the special that we ran last week with Lachlan and Kevin talking uh, about changes in the global supply chain in the wake of uh, COVID, and I thought, well, that's really interesting. You know, what could we think about commodity markets, financial markets? You know, has technology become a game changer in our market? Because let's face it, you go to a to a dinner party, cocktail party, and you know everybody's talking about blockchain, AI, machine learning, big data, algos. But that said, secure checking of documents is still done by humans at the big trading companies. And you ask yourself, well, why? Commodity trading houses, we know, are increasingly juggling new technologies, large amounts of data, which ironically itself has become a commodity. But ultimately, it's still the trading desk and it's the personnel sitting on those trading desks to check final documents, such as bills of lading to ensure security and eliminate fraud. It sounds amazing to me that not much has changed operationally from the way we used to do things back in the 90s and noughts in commodities brokerage. Yeah, I think think that will surprise a lot of people that trading still relies pretty heavily on physical documents, uh, you know, an audit trail is essentially comprised of a lot of paper because blockchain does not give complete security uh, and mistrust has led some to move away from algo trading and some banks, including BNP Paribas, uh, ABM AMRO, the Dutch bank, they've pulled out of commodity financing, which is, you know, which is a significant area rather than push for technology adoption, highlighting the challenges that new technologies have brought, I think. Yeah, so you mentioned two things there, Robin. One, French banks pulling out of commodities, which is something you and I both have some experience with uh, due to our shared time at Credit Agricole years ago. But then you also mentioned algorithmic trading. So on that latter point, has there really been a move away from algorithmic trading, i.e. data-driven computer-managed trading, in the commodity markets? Yes and no, um, you know, to sort of give a complicated answer. I think these days, you know, we're all swamped with data. The name of the game is how do you turn massive amounts of data into information? People argue data is the oil or the energy of the future. Over the last few years, companies have been building big data refinery, uh, which collects the raw data crosses it, cleans it, and adds some proprietary data, which is, you know, let's face it, becoming less every day, perhaps, storing it, making it available through an application programming interface for machine 
learning for the business, the front office, and then AI or artificial intelligence becomes the cherry on the cake. And then it can really deliver some value. But there's a hell of a lot of work in organizing it, cleaning it, making sense of it. It's very qualitative. But if you're able to make a decision faster, then that's going to be useful. Sure. I that makes perfect sense. But how does all this affect global trade and the commodity markets? Good question. Um, you know, we're dealing with a lot of supply data, but at the end of the day, it takes two to tango, so to speak. You know, we need to also focus on growing demand. And, you know, machine learning has been particularly useful due to the changes brought about by COVID because the timing of the pickup by location, by product in all parts of the world, you know, in this area, analytics and predictive tools have really shown their value. And to deal with the onslaught of data, trading houses are now employing ever more data scientists to help assist the trading desks with tools. Mercuria, VTOL, these large physical trading houses, um, you know, they employ 30, 40 of these data scientists. At the end of the day, though, data involves a trade-off between quality uh, and quantity. And what do you mean by that? Uh, a number of commodity trader bankruptcies due to fraud have been uncovered very recently in Singapore, elsewhere in Asia in recent months. We had the very famous Qingdao warehouse fraud in China three years ago, where base metals were supposed to be backing warehouse receipts, but these warehouse receipts have been duplicated, triplicated, involve, you know, six, seven um, multiplications, if you like. And yet there wasn't the quantity of physical commodity to back up uh, those trades. We had duplications of the bills of lading from different banks. So several banks basically saying that that one parcel of metal was theirs. Clearly, it couldn't be. So technology, you know, should help stamp out fraud in proof stamping. And this could involve, probably will involve blockchain or other distributed ledger technologies. You know, traders are working together to help the major oil companies and others get digitalized, cut out the middleman, lower costs. Adoption will come. But this will take time. And even with the use of blockchain systems, personnel are still needed to review all the documents. Blockchain could be useful for re-imaging documents, but not necessarily adding value in its use if traders already have an information system in-house. So while blockchain is part of frequent discussions at the broader level, in itself, it doesn't resolve the issue of security, which is an area we seriously need to look at as frauds, as we've seen, still manage to get through. You know, one wonders if perhaps what's needed here is you know, a centralized platform that all players are using. You know, maybe that's something the exchanges invest in and develop themselves, because obviously the case is now everyone's got their own proprietary system and these things don't integrate and work with each other. So it's an interesting thought about how maybe this can work going forward. I think that's the holy grail. Trouble is, though, brokers are being squeezed out of the market. You know, there's been a pretty dramatic reduction over the last four to five years in the number of banks and brokers in the commodity markets, you know, which is partly due to the capital adequacy rules that have squeezed many brokers out of the market, created a move away from banks to traders. 
large physical traders seem to be dominating, some would argue manipulating, bullying the markets because they're more likely regulated. So they can do a lot of things that the banks can't. The fact is that there are fewer brokers and this has made it very difficult for those using the market for genuine hedging reasons to manage their risk sufficiently. And I think it's somewhat ironic that the capital adequacy rules of Basel have in fact created more risks than they solved in the market. So we've gone from a situation, we've gone from one extreme of maybe light regulation to maybe now over-regulation, and that's creating more risk. So the law of unintended consequences hits home as it always has. Right, so the double-edged sword of regulation. But can you, can you maybe flesh out how you know, the rules of Basel have created more risks um, in the market? You know, let's think about hedging. You know, this has become very computerized, as we know, uh, in a sense that, you know, who does the hedging needs to be aware or have an understanding of algorithmic trading because this can move prices violently away from levels in which the hedge needs to be placed. So I think an understanding of where those levels or likely levels where you're going to get lots of buying or selling, which coincide with important chart levels, you know, that sort of knowledge needs to be um, made aware. But clearly, you know, all this computerized trading has squeezed traders out of the market seeking greater transparency. However, on the London Metal Exchange, you know, algo traders are not seen perhaps in the same way as in other futures markets, you know, the Chicago or New York futures markets probably have more computerized trading. Uh, But on the LME, people are moving away, I think, from electronic trading, moving back to the telephone market, because that's the beauty of the LME. You have the, you have the floor, You have the electronic screen, but you also have the telephone market. You know, where they're forced to go back to technologies used in the in the past in the search for greater liquidity. For example, Mercuria, VTOL, you know, these may be considered huge hedges in energy and other markets, but they're not currently using algo trading. Machines are are far from taking over from human beings the big trading companies. However, the vast amounts of paperwork involved in commodity trading could be simplified via the use of technology. But I think for the likes of yourself and uh, and me, we'll probably still want to use the pen and paper. I was almost going to say the the slate and chalk, but that's probably taking (laughs) it uh, uh, back a bit bit too far. Maybe it's something that we need to teach uh, in schools. Maybe it's not religion or politics, (laughs) but it's, it's blockchain. So I'll leave you with that. Very, uh, very significant thought. Yes, that's very deep, Robin. Um, and, and I will say that thinking back on my days on brokerage and being you know, the desk administrator guy, um, working my way up, yes, pushed a tremendous amount of paper. And I can certainly see how, particularly with today's technology, a lot of that probably really could be uh, eliminated. But this also makes you think about uh, you know, the long intellectual conversations, discussions, debates people would have about the players in a given commodity market. Because there were always those who were either the manufacturers of products that used materials or the producers of the materials themselves. And so they would be the primary users of a commodity market to buy or sell to hedge and then to help facilitate uh, those uh, those transactions you always had a speculative element to a commodity market so people who were taking views on whether the prices were going to go up and down and trading accordingly 
And then within that speculative group, there had been a group that did indeed have opinions about the fundamentals of the market, but then another that would look at charts of past performance of a given commodity, looking at the highs and lows on a day-to-day basis, on a weekly basis, on a monthly basis, and be drawing lines and, and making estimates as to where prices were going based on what the chart said the prices had done in the past. And there was always a debate as to whether that was really meaningful or just kind of a, an exercise to try to take the emotion out of trading, but nothing to do with reality. And it seems to me that the algorithmic trading has now taken that technical trading and kind of put it on steroids. And it all becomes rather self-fulfilling. Everyone buying at the same time, everyone selling at the same time, because all these systems that everyone claims to have special proprietary processing and, and analysis and computation, at the end of the day, they all seem to come to the same result basis, the same past performance that every other system's looking at. So it does seem to me that perhaps with all the great leads forward in technology, we've stood still or maybe even uh, stepped back from allowing the markets to be truly representative of the markets that they are supposed to reflect. And with that, we come to the end of this episode of The Forward Curve. I'd like to thank Robin for joining me today and sharing his thoughts. And of course, I want to thank you for joining us. Please be sure to subscribe to The Forward Curve on your favorite podcast platform. You can also visit our website, www.goldstreetadvisors.com for more information about Gold Street Advisors and the services we provide. Join us again next week for more of Robin's insights into the latest trends in the commodity as well as the broader markets. I'm Christian Klabodecher, and on behalf of the Gold Street Advisors team, I thank you for listening. And remember to always keep an eye and ear on the forward curve.